0: And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Tonight we are on 2 Samuel, chapter 2. In the last chapter, we read about David coming to find out that Saul had died, and Jonathan had died, and then David. Now we're ready to move into chapter 2. In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, "'Shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah?' he asked. The Lord said, "'Go up.' David asked, "'Where shall I go?' "'To Hebron,' the Lord answered. So David went up there with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David also took the men who were with him, each with his family, and they settled in Hebron, and its towns. Then the men of Judah came to Hebron, and there they anointed King David over the house of Judah. When David was told that it was the men of Jabesh Gilead who had buried Saul, he sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead to say to them, The Lord bless you for showing this kindness to Saul, your master, by burying him. May the Lord now show you kindness and faithfulness and I too will show you the same favor because you have done this. Now then, be strong and brave, for Saul your master is dead, and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. Meanwhile Abner son of Ner, the commander of Saul's army, had taken Ish-bosheth son of Saul and brought him over to Mahiniam. He made him king over Gilead, Ashuri, and Jezreel and also over Ephraim, Benjamin, and all Israel. Ish-bosheth, son of Saul, was forty years old when he became king over Israel, and he reigned two years. The house of Judah, however, followed David. The length of time David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. So we have to remember that Israel was divided. At this point in time. And so David was the king of Judah, which was one part of Israel. And ish was the king of Israel, which is another part of Israel. So they're both Israel, but one of them is called Judah, and one of them is called Israel. Does that make sense? Verse 12. Abner son of Nur, together with the men of Ishbosheth son of Saul, left Mehenium and went to Gibeon. Joab son of Zariah and David's men went out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. One group sat down on one side of the pool and one group on the other side. Then Abner said to Joab, Let's have some of the young men get up and fight hand to hand in front of us. All right, let them do it, Joab said. So they stood up and were counted off, 12 men for Benjamin and Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and 12 for David. So instead of everybody going to fight with one another, they're just gonna pick 12 people. That's better than all the people of Israel going to fight against all the people of Judah, right? Benjamin versus Judah. Pretty much what's going on here. Then each man grabbed his opponent by the head, and thrust his dagger into his opponent's side, and they fell down together. So that place in Gibeon was called Helketh Well, You could probably dig into a lot here that I don't know anything about. So I'm just going to skip it on and allow the Lord to teach us more about this in due time if we need to know about it. The battle that day was very fierce, and Abner and the men of Israel were defeated by David's men. The three sons of Zeruiah were there, Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. Now Asahel was as fleet-footed as a wild gazelle. It was fast. He chased Abner, turning neither to the right nor to the left, as he pursued him. Abner looked behind him and asked, Is that you, Asahel? It is, he answered. Then Abner said to him, Turn aside to the right or to the left. Take on one of the young men and strip him of his weapons. But Asahel would not stop chasing him. Again Abner warned Asahel, Stop chasing me. Why should I strike you down? How could I look your brother Joab in the face? But Asahel refused to give up the pursuit, so Abner thrust the butt of his spear into Asahel's stomach, and the spear came out through his back. He fell there and died on the spot. And every man stopped when he came to the place where Asahel had fallen and died. But Joab and Abishai pursued Abner, and as the sun was setting, they came to the hill of Amah, near Gaia, on the way to the wasteland of Gibeon. Then the men of Benjamin rallied behind Abner. They formed themselves into a group and took their stand on top of a hill. Abner called out to Joab. Must the sword devour forever? Don't you realize that this will end in bitterness? How long before you order your men to stop pursuing their brothers? Joab answered, As surely as God lives, if you had not spoken, the men would have continued the pursuit of their brothers until morning. So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the men came to a halt. They no longer pursued Israel, nor did they fight any more. All that night Abner and his men marched through the Arabah, They crossed the Jordan, continued through the whole Bithron, and came to Menaheim. Then Joab returned from pursuing Abner and assembled all his men. Besides Asahel, nineteen of David's men were found missing. But David's men had killed three hundred and sixty Benjamites who were with Abner. They took Asahel and buried him in his father's tomb at Bethlehem. Then Joab and his men marched all night and arrived at Hebron, by daybreak. So that was pretty nasty, kind of a little civil war between the Israelites. That is the entire chapter, by the way. Some of the footnotes. The men of Judah publicly anointed David as their king. David had been anointed king by Samuel years earlier but that ceremony had taken place in private. This one was like inaugurating a public official who has already been elected to office. The rest of Israel, however, didn't accept David's kingship for seven and a half years. David sent a message thanking the men of Jabesh Gilead who had risked their lives to bury Saul's body. Saul had rescued Jabesh Gilead from certain defeat when Nahash the Ammonite surrounded the city. So these citizens showed their gratitude and kindness. In his message, he also suggested that they follow Judah's lead and acknowledge him as their king. Jabesh Gilead was to the north in the land of Gilead, and David was seeking to gain support among the ten remaining tribes who had not yet recognized him as king. So I guess the the people had decided in... Israel, the city of Hebron, to respond by losing Saul by replacing him with Ish-Bosheth. Clearly not anointed by God, some time went by, and David was actively the king of Judah. He wanted the kingdom to be united with him as their king, all of Israel. The people didn't regard his anointment as king to be legitimate. Maybe that's because they weren't there when Samuel anointed him as king. The people actually fought, their own countrymen fought against one another because they disagreed about who their leader should be. I don't even want to talk like this because I don't want to live in fear over things, but Does that sound like sort of a country right now? Like maybe the one we're living in a little bit? That people literally are willing to hate one another because of who they feel like our leader should be? Yes. Yes. Whenever we read these historical documents, it's important to remember that history repeats itself. And of course, I am not trying to make the claim that this is what's going to happen in our country. What I am saying is that We should learn from this attack where finally the leader blows his horn for peace It's like are we just gonna all kill each other? Are we gonna finally just? stop fighting And they realize that what they're doing is crazy and they need to stop fighting. It doesn't mean That they didn't disagree on anything ever again, but they needed to stop killing one another And I think it would be smart for us to heed that people who have been through this have found out it's not worth killing your brother over. I don't mean like your brother like Brock and Trey. I mean your brother is in your country, man. It's not worth killing them over. It's not worth hating them over. You can disagree without getting to this point where you hate one another. And I'm not saying that you compromise. I'm not talking about compromising. I'm talking about living your beliefs with integrity, while showing love to people who disagree with you. I can work on that. I guarantee it. And we probably all can. Being able to have somebody who disagrees with you. And you're like, well, I love you anyways. Most people we don't actually find that we like them or love them because of their political viewpoints on things either way. We find that we had something in common with them that was fun. We're called to respect and love one another. That's where we have to start. I think these two regions of Israel could have saved lives if they would have realized what it took over 300 deaths for them to realize. Sorry, boys, I know that was a lot of me tonight. It's okay. It was a lot of reading and Part, part of history that I'm not that familiar with. So I didn't have much to add to it. But I do pray that the Holy Spirit will be at work and leave this message on our hearts and in our minds and that there might be other things that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us as we think about this chapter. I look forward to reading with you tomorrow night. I love you boys. I love you too. You guys are good kids.